Welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast. We're here to grow in faith, connect in community, and serve the world. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you uh, have ever been members of the Clean Play Club? Yeah, yeah, almost everybody. Yeah, of course, that's the club where every scrap of food on your breakfast plate or your lunch plate or your dinner plate absolutely must be eaten, right? Well, I am pretty sure that my parents were charter members of that club. Uh, Now, I never found a membership card for them, and to the best of my knowledge, they never attended any meetings. But you know that old saying, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck, right? So membership card or not, uh, our house operated on rules strikingly like those who were deeply committed card-carrying members of the CPC. That's the Clean Play Club. And there was just one basic rule. All the other rules were simply uh, derivatives of the, the main premise, and that was eat every bite of food on your plate. I don't care if you don't like it, eat it, right? That was the rule. And I'm not sure how that played itself out in other homes where there were members of the Clean Plate Club, but I know that in our house, my sister and brother and I quickly learned that um, cleaning our plates was the key that opened the door to a lot of other, of other uh, doors. Uh, opened, yeah. Uh, so toward the end of every meal, mom and dad would always remind us that if we wanted to do anything at all for the rest of the day, then we better clean off every scrap of food from our plates, right? May I go outside and play? Clean your plate first. May I please go and watch some television? Clean your plate first. May I go to the restroom? Clean your plate first. Uh, Mom, Dad, may I go to college? Clean your plate first. Many a misguided group began with the best of intentions, yes? Uh, My parents and others who lived through the Great Depression probably knew the good intention behind the Clean Plate Club better than anyone else. Um, Those of us who pay much attention to Scripture probably know that good intention as well. You see, the Clean Plate Club was not some obsession about um, overeating or gaining weight, although that may have been part of the result. But clean platers, or, or anyone who is serious about the faithful stewardship of God's gifts, know that wasting those gifts is a sin against the giver. Yeah? And so it's a sin to, to waste water, for instance, by just letting the faucet run constantly while you're shaving or washing your dishes. It's a sin to not turn off all the lights in the room after you leave that room. It's a sin by 
to waste food by purchasing too much, preparing too much, or by not eating absolutely everything that's on your plate. So the clean plate club is against the sin of wastefulness. And yet, yet, just when we thought little else needed to be said about the sin of wastefulness, we are confronted with this story today, this parable from Jesus about a sower who goes out to sow seed. Now, in, in those days, there were at least two common ways of sowing seed. One was to put the bag of seed on the back of a donkey, cut a hole in the bag, and then just let the seed gradually fall out as you led the donkey through the field. The more common way, and apparently the way Jesus had in mind when he told his parable, was to tear open the bag of seed, stick your hand in there and grab a bunch, and then just fling it out into the seed, out into the field. But here's the problem. Flinging seed like that is not a very precise way of sowing seed, right? In fact, it, it was kind of, of reckless. We might even call it um, wasteful. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was wasteful. Uh, read the account again. Some seed fell on the, uh, on the hard path, self, some fell on the rocky soil, some fell where the sun rose, and some fell among thorns. And some, but only some, fell on the good soil. You know, that would be like me dipping my hand into this big bag of grass seed that we have in our, our garage and then going outside and just throwing it all over the place. Uh, some of it would land on the driveway. Some would land on the bushes out in front of the house. Some would land out on the street. Uh, undoubtedly, some of it might get caught up in the wind and end up on the roof. Only some of it, only a little bit of it, would probably end up on some good soil where it might take hold and, and end up with a fair stand of grass. But just think about how much of that seed would be wasted. And, and think what my neighbors would say about me. <laughs> oh, there's that crazy preacher again. My goodness, look at him. He's got seed all over the place. I've never seen such recklessness, such wastefulness. Doesn't he know that you have to be careful when you're sowing seed? And therefore, the message is, be careful with the seeds. Don't fling them, and above all, don't waste them. But who was Jesus really talking about when he told this parable? Who is the sower in this parable? Now, we would like to think that it's some young farmer who doesn't yet know what he's doing, who doesn't exactly know yet how to sow seed properly. Or maybe the sower that Jesus is thinking about here is uh, someone who has uh, just a, more seed than he knows what to do with, and he could just fling it for days and never miss any of it. Or maybe he's 
one of those eternal optimists, you know, you know the types. They think that anything is possible, even seed sprouting in hard ground among the thorns and the rocks and in the, out in the heat of the sun. Well, of course, you've, you've heard this parable, I'm sure, many times before, and you've probably heard many preachers preach on it. And so you know that the sower is... God, yep. And the seed that is being sown is the promise of God's kingdom. But why would God be so reckless in sowing his kingdom seed? In today's gospel, Jesus describes God as a reckless sower. But we wouldn't charge God with wastefulness, would we? What we will say to God is something like, hey God, why bother? I mean, why bother sowing seeds in place of love in places that you know will not produce any results, any growth, any life? I mean, let's face it, God, these are just wasted seeds. And if we aren't saying that to God, well, then we're saying that to God's church. Why bother sending money and support and supplies to Haiti? I mean, does it make any difference there? Why bother helping those families down and over the Rhine? They don't appreciate it. Why bother with a Sunday school if only one person shows up to the class? I mean, she's not going to remember anything. Why bother providing a meal for that beggar? He's just an ungrateful slob. Why should we hurl seeds when we know that they're going to fall on rocky, dry, hard paths where they're likely to die very soon? I mean, aren't there enough failures and disappointments in this life as it is? Why should we set ourselves up for even more? And why should we bother? Indeed, why should God bother? Well, part of the answer, my dear friends, is this. It is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. We are called by God to share the good news of Jesus, to embody his gospel in every time, in every moment, every, every place. And if we share it only in places and with people who we know will receive it gladly, like here with our friends at church, well, then we are neglecting part of our task. Instead of a reckless slinging of love and peace into the lives of all people, a kind of slinging that mirrors the very nature of God, we are instead dumping the whole bag of seed where we believe it will grow. And in doing so, we are, we are the ones who are choosing who the worthy people are, those who are worthy of receiving and hearing this gospel. But God does not work like that, does he? God gives life to all. He offers life to all. Here's another part of the answer. I would like you to look around at the other people here, and those of you at home, maybe if there's more than one of you there, look at each other 
now I, I, I know you don't really want to do this, but you need to turn around and look at everybody in the face. Just look at one another, at the people around you. And realize as you're looking that their lives are filled with hurt and brokenness just like yours are. So we fling seeds of love and peace and hope everywhere because unfortunately, hurt is often our common denominator as human beings. Why bother to sow seeds of, in the face of, of failure or even likely failure? Well, it's because we're such poor judges of good soil. <laughs> yeah? You know, it was not all that long ago that First Presbyterian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, a church of some prominence, called a Princeton Seminary graduate to be their new senior pastor. The name of that pastor was Jeb Stewart Magruder, and if that name is familiar to you, it's because he was involved in President Nixon's Watergate scandal, and he ended up spending several years in jail because of his involvement. Now, surely, along the way, people must have asked why God would continue to sow seeds in the lives of crooks like Jeb Stewart Magruder. It was also not too long ago that questions like these were being asked. Why does God continue to sow seeds of peace in places like East Germany? Or why does God continue to sow seeds of justice in places like South Africa? Or why does God continue to sow seeds of hope in the United States where we spend two out of every five dollars to make weapons whose primary function is to destroy God's creation. After all, as we may think, spending time and effort to fling seeds of the gospel among such rocky, thorny, hard-hearted people like those is just a waste of our time and our resources. Had it been left to us in our judgment of soil, we might not have bothered. But of course, then, there would have been no reunification of Germany. And there would have been no strides against apartheid in South Africa. And there would have been no urgency to control nuclear weapons in our country and elsewhere around the world. And there would have been no lives redeemed for ministry. Our congregation's purpose is to live and love like Jesus. Thank you. If you look at the homepage of our website, it will state there that living and loving like Jesus is not always easy to do. Yeah, of course, we know that all too well. Which is why there will be times when 
we will be thinking that our ministries with Nest or with, through the community garden or by teaching Sunday school or, or helping with refugee re relocation, resettlement, uh, or taking part in God's Work, Our Hands weekend. They'll be coming up in the fall here again, or supporting the Haitian Timon Foundation, things like that, that those things are just not making a difference, that they're just wasting our time. And, and you know, I get it. I've been there too in my time, in my ministry. But who knows? It just may be that some of God's wasted seed that caused, may have caused his love and grace to sprout in me and in you. Let all those who have ears listen. Listen.